0: bom ba ba you ba 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 ba
1: ba ba Hello there and welcome to our first edition of Past Potential Picks. This is a new segment on our show where we get to challenge each other to watch movies we haven't, if one of us has. And if you remember our special guest, Ron Rockstar, who we had on our Aliens episode in season one, he brought up the fact that I had never seen any of the Christopher Reeve Superman films and that I really should check out all four to watch them to complete my Superman, you know, collection of films and comic book heroes, you know, this is such an iconic uh, figure for DC Comics. So I watched all four in the matter of about a week and I thought, you know what? We got to talk about it. We got to review it. And we had have Ron back on to discuss these movies. So uh, welcome, Ron. We're glad to have you back here on the Potential Podcast. Yes, welcome. Back,
2: sir. I feel super to be here.
1: That's right. He feels super... <laughs> Key here is here, super. Uh, of course, I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Sokol, with our special guest, Ron Rockstar. So yeah, before we kind of go into reviews, I'm going to talk about why I've never seen the Christopher Reeve Superman films. Well, this, I got, this
0: I have to hear, so please, please tell us. Especially
1: because, you know, this is a very nerdy podcast. We often talk about heroes and comic books and stuff. First off, Superman, not my favorite hero. That kind of goes with the territory. Batman, I'm definitely more of a Batman fan. So I've seen all of those much more. Uh, I did see Man of Steel. I enjoyed that film a lot. I think the difficulty with Superman is the time period that these movies came out, it was tough to really capture everything that Superman can do with the CGI special effects of the time. Now, I'll say after watching them, they did a pretty decent job for some of it, especially the flying aspect and some of the special effects up pretty well for movies from the late 70s to the 80s you know I think it it, they did a pretty decent job but it just never was something on my radar I think I just always felt that those movies still clicked into this time period of like cheesy comic book movies and Batman really was the first like comic book movie I can remember seeing as a kid Michael Keaton you know bring it and it was very looking at Superman that was like what 1978 to Batman being like I think it was 89. late '80s, yeah. 89. Just even that decade apart, how much more dark and action-packed Batman was compared to Superman. Mm. So there's something about I just, and we never had them in the house. I never really saw them on TV, so it was something that I just never really sought out. But now I'm glad I've uh, seen them all because I think definitely uh, one of the most endearing parts of those films is Reeves himself. I think he's definitely the defining Superman. Uh, something that everyone's looked up to as incredible. So before we kind of go to my take on these films, what has the Superman quadrilogy, if you want to call it, meant to you guys, being that you've seen them before in your youth and like you've kind of grown up with them? Well, we'll start I'll let with you, Ron. I'll let Ron, because he's our guest. Go for it.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, Superman, I mean, I've always loved Superman. and I like DC in general. Um, I think, I think seeing Superman really young, it was such an inspiring moment to finally see, like, because if you think about it, before Superman, there was no real big budget superhero film. And this was really the first major one. Actually, at the time, it was the most expensive film made, uh, just over 55 million, which was like unheard of at the time. So it really broke new ground and kind of what you just said too, um, Chris, you know, even today, people still talk about Christopher Reeves. You know, this is this is the guy, this is the main guy that people look up to. And um, so I think, I think Superman 1 was just such a great origin story. And again, it inspired Patty Jenkins for the recent Wonder Woman movies as well. So she took a whole bunch of that and you can see it in, especially in the first Wonder Woman movie, that whole scene in the alley, she's admitted, she totally took that from Superman, you know, inspiration so it's still something that i think impacts today's filmmakers and actors and people in general and i think superman 2 i wanted to say is probably my favorite i think i've said this to taylor it's probably my favorite superhero movie of all time it's like i think that fight sequence the build up for the fight between general zod and the other two kryptonians I mean, this was so monumental and I still think it holds up to this day.
0: This and is true. I, love- I remember we used to work together. I wake up in the morning and before I have a breakfast. You tell me I love Superman too. I know, Rod, you told me a million times. So <laughs> no, no, you're right. And I, I think what's so exciting, and we'll talk about this again and again, but Christopher Reeves, there are so many actors that define a role and it's so hard to kind of gather. I mean, what, what was Sean Connery to James Bond, Christopher Reeves, Superman. It's a hard legacy to follow. And there's been different iterations, of course. Henry Cavill, our most recent. But I think it's something about what those stood for and the fact that this is like, you know, Superman's that kind of like before. I mean, maybe so more so than Captain America. It's something about Superman that really idolized the kind of the American, you know, dream and and, and something about that fighting for justice and all that and what he stood for. But Christopher Reeves just defined the role in such a way that,
1: it's been hard to duplicate for sure. And something I really appreciated about him was how funny he was. This is, I mean, sad to think about, I don't really remember seeing him in any other really major movie. I know he he was the prominent, you know, movie star, but this being his iconic role, I can't really think of like a Christopher Reeve movie at the top of my head. I'm sure I've seen him in something else, but he really had the great comic chops for Clark Kent that I wasn't actually expecting. I knew it was going to be a little cheesy, a little more cartoony than maybe like the Dark Knight series. You know, this is the again the late seventies, the eighties, really making the comic book kind of pop onto screen. But he was so funny and nerdy and geeky as Clark Kent. Yeah, he blurred the the lines real. Yeah, blurred the lines really well. Charm was just like I was like, it's so endearing to watch because it's like, first off, he has the presence. He's a tall dude. He's built. You know, he definitely had that superhero bod, but he had that smile and that grin and that kind of, I, I love this physicality. It made me laugh so much when he was this utter goofball, this klutz as Clark Kent, which really kind of sold the character. Cause you know, the funny thing about Superman has always been, how can no one really tell that's not Superman? I mean, it looks exactly the same with glasses on. I know there's some comic book lore about the glasses have some kind of power that actually blinds people. But I was just like, it's just like so funny to watch him. And he's definitely, I'd say his presence in the films is what keeps them going, even as we get to three and four, where things get a little more bonkers, a little (laughs) less exciting, a little more out there. Um, And I also love Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor. Uh, Funny to think about his role. I mean, obviously in the first film, he's definitely like the main villain, but he's kind of like the secondary backup villain in a lot of these films, where he's not really the main guy he's fighting, but he's always there scheming. And I just love Gene Hackman's, like, his charisma, his, like, the way he he kind of charms on the screen as this, like, kind of buffoonish, like, but very smart and brilliant, you know. He's he's the most uh, powerful criminal in the world, you know, the criminal mastermind. And, yes, he always gets caught in these ridiculous schemes. And so I thought that was kind of funny, too, thinking of how I know Lex Luthor nowadays from, like, video games. He's very tough and strong, has these giant robot machines. And this is not... This is Lex Luthor, you know, 1.0, not not the same kind of situation we see today with a lot more mechanical technology. I think he was earlier than that. And that's kind of another thing about these films is that technology was not very advanced in this time, too. So see them kind of going through, like, especially when they get to third film. And a lot of that's based on technology of the time and how supercomputers can grow and stuff. I thought that was kind of interesting to see how that played out in the film, knowing what nowadays is kind of like the norm you know
0: no you're absolutely right um and i think for these to, as ron said to have these movies you know kind of be the first of their kind i mean superhero movies we have uh, movies are starting to become a little bit more uh well-rounded i mean we didn't have anything comic books and these ones are you know the technology they, they utilize as best they could but it was you know you really had to have your willful suspension of disbelief but when you watch it, this this time period this is the coolest thing ever so i think it's interesting for you to watch these uh, from a perspective of all the movies that we've been able to see and the technology has grown we're kind of like a little spoiled so you kind of have to you know kind of temper your expectations like okay this is made this time so it's a little different so but uh, let's. I think we should go in like one by one, just kind of talk about what we liked, uh, what you liked about it. Because you know, I know we, Ron, especially, will have so much
1: uh, to say, both good and bad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> good and bad, yeah.
1: Uh, well, starting with Superman, I think it's a, uh, it's a close tie between Superman and Superman Two to be my favorite of the four. Uh, definitely like the origin story. Um, it was very hectic to me the whole idea of uh, Krypton and this kind of like red cloud of doom coming to like destroy and you know getting brando in there and it's like all right we got a we got a big name actor but he came and pronounced the character's name right you know he he, he wasn't saying kal he was saying like he said it very differently i think they were like it's brando just let him act like we got yeah. a big star he was eating
0: chips and stuff he's like <laughs> it, it was,
1: and it was interesting to think that it's marlon brando and gene hackman have top billing even though this is a superhero movie on Superman, you think Reeve would get, no, it's them too, because they are the ones selling, you know, getting the tickets. But um, what I liked about this movie was it did set up all the groundwork of like the origin story, you know, obviously him coming to earth and being adopted and kind of showing like him from the youth of how he's always kind of an outsider. And he didn't really know where he belonged, where he could use his power. You know, we're seeing a lot of this in a, movies today with other heroes where it's kind of like they're the odd one out and where are they going to fit into society and then him getting to new york and meeting lois lane that partnership i think really metropolis in the first yeah, two films okay. metropolis yeah <laughs> well it's new york city basically um that's really filmed um, oh, or chicago too sometimes as we all hear the nerds cry out it's metropolis <laughs> see i know Gotham. the metropolis is i only see that in video games but yeah. No, I, I I love all the action sequences remind me of like going to like Universal Studios and you go on like on the rides where like the effects come to life. That's what it kind of felt like. The helicopter sequence looked like a ride sequence to me. So like it had that kind of like action to it. And with Gene Hackman and his his, his idiot partner in crime, that was very funny. And like it just it was cartoony and goofy. But the flying sequences really hold up, I think. And I'm sure if, if it was 1978 and I was a teenager going to see that movie, I would have been like, this is the coolest thing ever. So I think Superman one definitely, I think is like top notch in terms of the four just for the um, plot. Also, it was very very interesting to think nowadays we're so used to these movies being set up as a one-off and if it works well, a sequel will be in the works. They were hitting the ground break very early with like, no, we're already plotting the second movie. And in the credits it says superman 2 is coming out next year i mean it was two years later or something but the fact that they had the three you know villains from krypton in the opening scene and then you don't see them again the whole movie and it's like well clearly they're going to come back in part two i thought that was very Very, bold very
0: ambitious at the time because then you think about it um look at like godfather and godfather part two like sequels weren't really uh were starting to become a thing but they hadn't really you know uh,
1: until yeah star star wars and Indiana jones this whole time period it wasn't like movies had sequels so the, I, that was very interesting that they were like off the bat oh by the way superman 2 is coming out like right away and then they did the same with superman 3 <laughs> it was like they were like we know we're going to make money so you're going to get more of these kids um, how do you how do you rate the first superman film ron
2: yeah it's you know what i mean uh, i think i think that that movie's origin story is probably maybe the the best origin story of any superhero film ever made. I think they it was paced properly. They followed the comic lore like to the letter. Uh, what was really cool, in case you guys didn't know, is in the the train sequence where Clark Kent's running alongside the train and the little Lois Lane is watching him. The parents were actually played by Kirk Allen, who played the 1950s Superman.
1: Oh,
2: so, and they also had the. Um, Lois Lane from the television series was Lois Lane's mother.
1: So yeah, a little fun, little fun, little fun fact. Little fun
2: fact. So I mean, just you know, throwing in that those little lures, I, I, and then you know, like you're saying, some seeing some of those scenes, uh, the action scenes. I think they kind of stood up. I think that whole part him catching the helicopter was so heroic. Him coming out there and you know he's looking at the phone booth, looks it up, looks it down. You know, (laughs) they're throwing in that lore. So uh, Donner, Richard Donner and the writers and everybody, uh, they, they did, I think it was the absolute perfect origin story. I don't think I've seen a better origin story of any superhero since then. I mean, I think the Dark Knight was very well done as well. I think that's another one that they pasted really great. Captain America was another great origin story film, but I still think that the Superman one it, it holds up. I mean, even on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's got like a 94% rating. It's insane for a superhero fan. <laughs> it's
1: pretty high, yeah. It's pretty yeah. high. Pretty strong.
2: Pretty strong. And, you know, Gene Hackman. I thought Gene Hackman was fantastic. I thought he was a great Lex Luthor. Um, you know, as you're saying, uh, Otis. Otis was the...
1: Otis, best. yes. Correct me up.
2: And, and a great thing, too, about Miss um, Tessmacher. And I don't know if you guys know this, but now they have Miss Tessmacher on Supergirl. Yeah, she's on Supergirl. And what's really cool is in the first episode that she appeared in, like the new actress play Miss Tessmacher, it was actually Callista Flockhart that she calls her, Miss Tessmacher.
1: <laughs> Just like in the movie. Just like in the movie. <laughs> Always yelling for her. Yeah.
2: And now, now that John Cryer is playing um Lex Luthor, he's doing the same thing with he's also doing Miss Tessmacher. He's doing the same thing. So I, you know, again, this Superman movie. As Taylor was saying, it broke ground and I think it's still something that people, it's still influencing, like I said, right up now to the Supergirl, you know, and as I said before about Wonder Woman. So it's, it's that influential. It's that, it's just an absolute great film. So when you talk about a a great film and then it's, you know, I know we're going to talk about it next. It's almost hard to say like, you can tell me there's a movie that's better than that. Yeah, there actually is a movie that's better than that. And it's Superman.
1: Well, it almost feels like one and two kind of connect as like one long film, the way that the plot really plays out. And then definitely watching one and two, I saw how they kind of, how that greatly influenced the main plot of Man of Steel. It was essentially the origin story into fighting Zod and his goons, you know, it was like, they kind of melded one and two into one, you know, film. And I was actually telling Taylor this as I was watching through the films, the thing that's, that I think why two works the best of the four is if I'm going to see a comic book movie, I'm expecting fighting at some point. And in all these films, only really the second movie and then obviously the fourth film with what's his face for the, the the electricity, whatever, uh, <laughs> Sun Man, whatever the hell he was called, Nuclear Man. Yeah. It's <laughs> like I, I was expecting more fighting for Superman in these films. And he really is more doing hero work. But he's not really fighting people. So two is really exciting because it's he's actually like physically fighting these guys.
0: Well, and of course, we've we, we've got some uh, worthy opponents, adversaries that are going to match up to uh, what he's capable of. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, so, okay, right off the bat, you know, he's you have an uber-powerful superhero, but no one really can. He only has one weakness. And now what are we going to do with the second one? Let's up the ante with uh, three people who have uh, just as much power as he does.
1: That scene of them on, in in part two, when they they're they're on the moon and they're like sneaking up on like the astronauts, that was pretty creepy. I thought, I mean, obviously it's like you know you could tell it's in a studio and like they're flying with wires and stuff, but just them like kind of floating to like attack these guys, I thought was very creepy. I was like, you know, they're not going to be as exciting looking as my first take, being Man of Steel with all the CGI and you know really over the top action. I mean, like. Comparing Superman two to Man of Steel is like, it's just like let's take it and like turn it up thousand notches with so much destruction and CGI. But there was these little moments where like these characters are really eerie, and the fact that they they don't really get super angry. Like I like how Terrence Stamp's character is never really you know his Zod is not really like crazy angry he's very calm about everything it's what, such a such a, a really opponent for me you know yeah
0: such a commanding yeah. presence and i think that's what Terrence stamp just one of his best roles uh he, and he's done so many roles over the years continuing to act today um but that's why when we talked about it a while back our comic book i had to give credit to Terrence stamp because that zod is just it's so great because like he's so powerful but he doesn't really need to be he just commands he commands presence he is the general he is, you know he leads um by fear and intimidation and it's just so great it's just like he's not phased by anything where is the superman where, where can i find him it's like and it's just such a it's just like are you okay he's like yes i'm fine are you upset no i'm wonderful
2: <laughs> well i think i think too another thing too about superman 2 since i since now we're talking about superman 2 i don't know if you guys ever thought about this That movie, we're talking about influences, the first Superman film. Even Superman 2 is so influential. Uh, If you look at Spider-Man, I think it was Spider-Man 2, the one with Tobey Maguire, where he loses his powers, Mm -hmm. right? And gains them back. And now Wonder Woman 1984, again, talking about Patty Jenkins being inspired. We look at the Wonder Woman, she gives gives up her powers, right? She's losing her powers, falling for love. And then, of course, the villain is you know becoming as strong as her. Like you could see, Patty Jenkins was literally like relooking at Superman too. You know, and that's like,
1: that's a lot. That's a lot of comeback movies. Or like where it's like you know, give up your power for love, or they they you know.
0: Well, the the whole question, like you know, what is you know, I'm, I have you know, do is this my life? Is Superman my life? Like you know, there's more to me. There's that duality, where you know, Clark Kent kind of is this kind of it is at times more of just alter ego, just when he's not supermanning, but it's like, am I more Clark Kent or am i more Superman? And it's that whole duality, of course, from the beginning in all the movies where, you know, his father, his adoptive father to his, his birth father, who he never knew. So there is that whole, you know, fighting of like, you know, I have all these capabilities. I should use the abilities, but also I, I want to be selfish. I want to have, I want to fall in love. I want to just live a normal life. Because that's just what he was—he was raised to do. It's—it's it's a classic nature versus nurture, and these—and especially these first. Yeah, films. just just because
1: I landed here on this planet, do I have to be the savior of this planet? Just because, on this planet, I am considered a god with all these powers based off, you know, his uh, his build from his planet. So, uh, that did to make for you know, it makes for. I like when he's like weak. Uh, I thought that was okay. When it comes to like cheesy moments in these movies, no matter how good or bad they are him like going in that like little chamber and it like turned red and then he's like weak and all. I was like, I was like, so this isn't like, again, these powers that I, I haven't really read any of the comics. I don't really know the lore. So I was like, okay, that's a thing. The one that really got me, I texted Taylor Amelie when I saw it. I just thought this is one of those cases where CGI really would, would come in handy in the big climatic fight scene at the, you know, uh, Fortress of Solitude when <laughs> he like, ripped off the S on his chest and threw it at the bigger guy and then it basically became like wrapping paper and wrapped the guy up. I was like, what the heck was that? That's not one of his powers. I mean, like, I was like, I know Superman's powers pretty to the T. Like, I know what he can do. I've never seen that before. I was like, that was one of those cheesy movie moments. Like, we need something to happen here.
0: Did it come out for <laughs> Christmas? Maybe it came out Christmas like wrapping.
1: <laughs> I don't know. That, that I thought that was just a funny random power of like, take this. And it was like, <laughs> Oh, Okay, he's got rapping power. Stamp of <laughs> approval.
2: <laughs> I looked at it more like almost like a Batman, a Batman utility belt thing, you know, more than a power. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that was definitely the, the vibe they were going for. Yeah, go go gadget.
2: I wanted to say too, uh, you know, to Chris, because uh, I've been listening to what you've been saying about Man of Steel, and it's funny too. I just wanted to quickly say something about Man of Steel. I, I, I don't like Man of Steel. I've, I've watched it a couple of times. And I, I said I was really the last time I watched, I said I'm gonna rewatch this. I'm really gonna give it my full like, I want to like this movie, right? And I, I watched so again on the you know several rewatches, but I think the problem, it's so funny because what you're saying about what you like about it, what I don't like about it is that the battle sequence in in Man of Steel, it was just a total, you know, CGI overload of smashing through buildings after building after building punching after punching after punching and i was like i'm kind of i was getting bored actually i was like there's no originality in this fight
0: it's a little bit of overload where you know like you said there's it's a little it's a, overload you know chris is like, like oh more action
1: and that's the problem is yeah i wanted more action which is why like having seen man of steel before seeing these movies of course these movies are going to greatly bore me if what i'm looking for is intense action that's why Zack Snyder took his his vision of Superman and really went overboard thinking, all right, if these are gods amongst us fighting, there would be mass chaos and mass destruction. The thing of Henry Cavill's performance that is a bit of a flaw is because Zack Snyder, especially that time with DC, this is before Shazam, before Aquaman, they were really, really dark and broody. They weren't really fun and like having any comic element. There was no real charm to Henry's Clark Kent none it's very serious and i mean the whole movie is very serious I,
2: I, mean, I do like, be, I do yeah like batman's cavill. supposed to be the pretty one <laughs> yeah i do like henry cavill as as superman i mean
1: I think yeah he's great as superman he's
2: a great superman and he, i think and i've told you this before chris and i want to say this in the podcast for anyone listening of hopefully the entire history of superman he has the best looking superman costume of anybody hands down
1: yes that's another aspect of thinking of you know, by the time we got to Batman, it you know, thinking of the Adam West, you know, kind of situation, they definitely bumped it up to more comic accurate, dark, the gritty, you know, the tough with the leather and everything. This Superman with Christopher Reeves is still in that time period of the very bright, the very, you know, kind of cheesy looking. And they definitely now making it look more like some kind of tech armor and He doesn't really have the whole underwear over the pants look, you know, that most superheroes did back in that time. So no, he's definitely got the Superman look. Uh, He's a great actor. I think, I think he really is well-deserved of another Man of Steel story, especially I think we should get a Man of Steel story where, of what we've not had in the movies yet. Like, you know, there's so many other enemies from space he could deal with that they haven't really touched on film, but he didn't really have, that charm that Christopher Reeves has—that was like the kind of staple, which is why I think this movie is just there. Where they lack in some of the action that I'm more used to nowadays with the movies, they make up for with like charm and heart, and that was I think something that some of the stuff that's been lacking and especially in our playing movies today.
0: Clark, and especially playing Clark Kent—I mean, he's too good looking. I mean, he doesn't have the kind of the the dorkish, you know. Even like, you know, we're not talking about that movie, but Superman Returns with Brandon Ralph—he he played a little bit more of the. You know, so it's kind of hard to to balance that out. And it's, Henry Cavill's is just too good looking as Clark Kent. You know, <laughs> just like.
2: Yeah, I think I think too, uh, and what not a nice thing too. I don't know if you guys knew this, but just a very quick touch for for Superman Returns, is that Brandon Routh said that he he was inspired for his let's say acting in that movie. He was he was looking he was, I was trying to be Christopher Reeve. He, he's doing everything. And that's
1: that's how he was directed. You could tell that. Brian Singer was trying to be like this is meant to be like the sequel to Superman and the fact that you know like he comes back and you know that, that was the whole idea and even like watching Gene Hackman at times I was kind of like oh I can see why they then went in the direction of Superman Returns you know I can see how they were trying to kind of continue that style a little bit of the humor a bit of the the villainous but it's not like he's he's not evil like just a like maniacal of these villains. genius, yeah. Yeah, it just kind of you know, I can see why they had Kevin Space, you know, kind of take on that mantle because he's been kind of you know, up before all the stuff that happened with him, he kind of was that kind of looked at actor of his time, kind of like Gene Hackman was for his time. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to look at those like the connections and all these different variations. And we've had a couple, you know, Superman on TV as well, we have a couple shows going on, so. It's interesting to see like what has grown being a Superman, Superman and Batman being two of the most popular superhero characters of all time, whether you're a DC fan, Marvel fan, they've been around for a while. We've just had a lot more love for Batman. I feel and all his variations and Superman, it's like, we had some good, it's like really good chunk. Okay. Okay. This is pretty good. And now we're kind of like, who knows what's gonna to happen at to this point in the future? But uh getting back to Christopher Reeves here.
2: Yeah.
1: So you have a solid good first movie, and then a solid, great sequel, a lot of great action.
0: Amazing.
1: So it's like we can only go up from here, right? <laughs> you heard that silence, yeah. I thought so too. Um <laughs> All right, so
2: do you guys do you guys know the origin of Superman 3? How it how it, how it actually became to be, what it is?
1: No, please tell us if you you have, I think you have a great story for us?
2: Yeah. So the actual origin of Superman three, because they, of course, they were wanting to do a Superman three, and Richard Pryor was on the Johnny Carson show one night, and um, Alexander Salkine, the producers of Superman films, he was watching Johnny Carson, and Richard Pryor was telling Johnny Carson how much he loved the Superman movies one and two. And I think Johnny Carson, oh, well, you know, would you ever be, goes, oh, I would love to be a part of that. And the producers were sitting there watching at home, right away, phone calls were made, let's get a script going, The you know, let's call Richard Pryor. So, the and if you cut, kind of, I mean, for sure, I mean, I'm not sure how you feel, Chris, but watching Superman three, it really felt that it was a Richard Pryor film co-starring
1: Superman. Yeah, featuring Superman. I 100% agree with that. Watching 3, and Taylor actually kind of set me up to be like, in his opinion, 3 is okay, and then 4 is the worst of the 4. And I think you're on the same page. Oh, totally. After watching all 4, I actually think 4 works better than 3, and I'll explain why. Okay. 3, I definitely felt was a Richard Pryor movie. It was all about his character, and again, this time when technology wasn't that advanced, the things that he was pulling off with his computer system – was completely far-fetched to me. I was like, this is not real, but let's go with it. And this idea that, okay, we're kind of like, you know, you kind of set me up saying, like, this is kind of like the bizarro Superman situation, or at least the best we're gonna get this time period of him splitting from himself and fighting himself. By far the best part of Superman 3 yes. is the junkyard fight between Superman and, and Clark Kent. That was Absolutely. the best thing of the whole Absolutely movie. Absolutely agree. It did not come into like maybe 80 minutes into the movie. So it was a real struggle to want to continue watching this movie and even finish it. Um, And I think they just, they should have focused more on that. And the other thing I didn't get is I know we've, we've been talking about heroes wanting to give up their powers for love. They set up so strongly in the first two movies, his adoration for Lois Lane and the fact that Lois Lane, she kind of has like a cutesy kind of vibe with Clark, but she's madly in love with Superman. And him battling, like, do I reveal myself? Do I tell her? And, you know, she eventually finds out and he kind of like kisses her to like erase her memory, basically. So then in the third film, I was like, why is he after this other girl from like his high school? It totally took me away from the fact, I was like, why did we have the actress who played Lois Lane in this film for three minutes? What a wasted cameo. What a wasted paycheck for this actress, you know, which is why I think I'll get to why I think four works a little better. just Richard Pryor, he was funny a few times, but he wasn't evil enough to be a villain. And then we had this, you know, the rich megalomaniac guy who wants to kind of take over the world, being like the villain character. And this didn't really work for me. And the Bizarro part was the best part. Like him fighting himself was definitely a, a cool sequence. And I enjoyed that. The rest of the film I just thought was like junk. And I was like, what a letdown to go from one to two, kind of building, and then three, just kind of being like, eh? "How ironic!" How
0: ironic. Yeah, the film was junk, but your favorite part was the junkyard scene. So, <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. <laughs> well,
2: here's here's a cool here's a cool point on what you're saying, Chris. You know, which you're, you're totally right. I mean, but first of all, I think any human being on the earth that watches Superman three is going to say the junkyard fight scene is obviously the best part. And I think I might have mentioned it to you in a message, and I wanted to just share with Taylor and again the people watching. Think about this, even Superman 3, I I think it was season 3 of Supergirl, they reenacted that scene where Supergirl goes bad, she gets infected with Bizarro, and she actually goes into a bar and Supergirl flicks the peanuts the same way.
1: Superman, oh, nice.
2: Bar. Like, so, I said, That's amazing that they're actually being influenced by Superman 3 of all films. And, um, you know, there's another movie, too, uh, a comedy film where these guys were trying to like get money off of their their company's computers. And the guy says, Yeah, we're gonna do it just like they did in Superman 3. one of the guys was, Superman 3? <laughs> 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 What? And of all movies. Of, of all movies. And then you know what you said. I mean, think about the plot of this this megalomaniac played by Robert Vaughn was basically taking mm-hmm. over like the coffee industry of the world. Yeah. Like, this is your soup this is your huge super villain things to take over the coffee market. Like mm-hmm. this <laughs> what you want to do?
1: Which is now why, why it totally makes me laugh, thinking like after watching that, thinking about Austin Powers, the second movie when dr evil's like we're buying starbucks so we're gonna take over the starbucks you know and like that was his big plot and now i'm kind of getting why they took the trope from this movie of like a ridiculous concept um and the fact that like the machine that they had like he could he could adjust the the you know richard Pryor could adjust the satellites to like cause weather mayhem and all this stuff i'm going none of this makes sense it just it just it felt like they were trying to be like, i feel like basically
0: get... what they had there they had a message board um in the break room and like people like here's a pen if you have an idea for something in the movie just write it down <laughs> the janitor and you know we're gonna put it in the movie <laughs> just like a, it was and i i was like laughing because chris i'd watched these before you watched them i was watching them again i'm like it's like oh i like that idea it's like well you know <laughs> who, who's coming up with
1: these ideas like i love that part in the movie when uh the, the oil factory is like all like about to explode. It's like on fire and everything. And then he goes over to the lake and he does his cool breath, makes a giant ice pancake. And then he lifts it in the sky and he's flying and he just lets it go. And it like save you know, then it, take, it puts the fire out. I was like, oh, okay. That was kind of cool. Like that was good of cool power. But the best part of the movie was that fight scene fighting himself. And actually I really applaud reeves acting when he was kind of the the bad version he looked almost like a different actor the way he yeah, did his just hair the, the physicality and like, of his eyes too the stuff like kind of five o'clock shadow and the way he kind of just looked he looked so different and i was like he looks creepy like he definitely you know i was like if only they'd give him like a little darker suit then maybe make it a little more scary but um yeah just here's here's
2: another part you made chris which is a great thing that uh me and another close friend of mine whenever we do talk about superman 3 and it's funny to say that you have conversations with a friend about superman 3 on the fly right so <laughs> whenever we talk about it he always mentions this as one of the most as what you're saying chris most outlandish like you can't even believe that this is put in a movie okay when when uh richard pryor's character Gus, when he's starting to convert the computers like to make things go all crazy, right? And there's a guy sitting at the breakfast table with his wife and he opens up the mail and he sees the bill, you know, it's like way too high. He takes the grapefruit and he shoves it in his wife. Oh yeah,
1: shoves it in her face.
2: But first of all, okay, so but the, all this is happening while Gus is at, at the computer this, in, and it's nighttime and this guy's having breakfast. So how does it, uh, Gus at that time how did the postal service get this like overpaid bill, let's say this overused bill sent to this guy's house within minutes of Gus doing this? You know, it's like it doesn't work, like even in the worst screenwriting process, like it's such a bad a uh, mistake in the film a continuity I told you
0: movie. break break room writing they're just you know break room writing it's their new stuff and
1: of course we're we're already suspending belief of believing that there's a man that came from this distant planet that has all these powers yeah exactly but <laughs> pretty much when we watch any superhero movie if it's taking place on Earth we kind of expect the rules of earth to stay put unless it's dealt with you know by the action of these superheroes like you know everyone's going about their business normally. It's just that there happens to be a super villain or bad guys or thugs and there's, you know, a superhero kind of cleaning up, you know, taking what the, the cops can't do, you know? So yeah, there's a lot of these moments in this movie where I was like, it just doesn't make sense. And then again, a moment where CGI in the future would have made this a lot cooler at the end when the lady like is kind of like transformed into a robot. I was like, how, from what technology is this machine able to like suck her into it and then all of a sudden like metal plates go on her face and she's I like to, now it,
0: uh... i, I have to say when i saw as a kid that freaked me out i was just like <laughs> that just like gave me nightmares but in a way though that was that maybe their very lamest attempt to try to bring brainiac it was a little bit of a brainiac yes. um moment but they're like oh let's just see if we can you know but that was like it was kind of like okay now we're just gonna throwing a terminator in here. let's just you know let's do that
2: <laughs> and for the time period too another thing they did also and I guess was uh, promoting obviously the future game a uh, video game is that scene of superman's you know going for the missiles and then you see them it's like a computerized like a computer uh, a cartoon version of superman was on the tv screen with the missiles and you are say okay so i guess they're just trying to promote an upcoming video game that they're going to do like this like and it didn't come off that great you know it looked a little bit
1: it definitely felt like the movie was when it when it starts to be more of the corporation in the studio trying to make all the decisions instead of the artistic, like, let's look at the comic books and go off of that. I think the the best,
2: none of the best parts of Superman three, which I enjoy. And it goes back, Chris, to what you said, the charm and you too, Taylor, the charm of Christopher Reeve as an actor and as a, as the character of Clark Kent and even Superman is like the scenes in Smallville where he's with Annette O'Toole and rebonding with her. And I thought, you know, these are some really cool scenes. I'm really enjoying watching those two together.
1: And you could tell, like, even though I was like, why is he not talking about Lois Lane? I was like, there's still that part of him that wants that to settle down and not have to be the hero and just like have a wife. And he kind of like, you know, he sees a a life with her. And there was a, there was even a point where I was like, is he about to propose to her? And like, (laughs) like he's just going to give up the Cape and be like, all right, I'm going to be Clark Kent in Smallville for the rest of my life. And I'll be happy about it.
2: And how cool is it? Again, we're talking about the influence, right? So then, years later Annette O'Toole goes on to play Superman's mother in the Smallville series. So again, even though it's a film that's not that good, it's still lately, years later, they're still kind of having some influence and input, even, even and Smallville is such a great series.
1: Now getting to Superman for the quest for peace. Um, the quest for more money. <laughs> because, yeah, exactly. Um, this is why I think 4, this is why I think 4 works better than 3.
2: Yeah, please tell me.
1: It's a shorter film, that already was a great thing. But this is why I think 4 works better than 3. It's the base formula. We're back to Clark and Lois having this romance. That was already like great. We're back to Lois Lane, which is what I want. That's cool. You got Gene Hackman back kind of being the the villain behind the scenes and there's an actual character that uh, Superman can fight. So like just from a base formula of like, really st- it's a really stupid plot, but I was like from a base formula, it makes a lot more sense than three, which is so far fetched over the top that I was like, this doesn't work with the technology. They don't have, you know, computers that can do all this stuff. And it's not like just some mystical computer. So this guy, it made sense, but <laughs> gosh, it, it, it was so annoying to me when a nuclear man, it's Gene Hackman's voice. So like clearly, I'm like, they got some like European bodybuilder that probably doesn't speak English to be like, all right, you're just gonna say you're just gonna say your lines and then we'll dub Gene Hackman into your voice. Um and the nails, the nails bothered me so much. I was like, you know what? The way we've we've increased these movies, kind of going out with a big, kind of like somewhat similar action villain for him to fight, I'll buy, you know. I, I told Taylor I got to like the last half hour of the movie and I was like, I don't know if I can do it. Like, I was like, <laughs> even when I got to like the last 12 minutes and I was like, I don't know if I can do hang it. hang
0: on little buddy. But,
1: yeah. <laughs> but you know, like it, it was fine. And you know, it's, it's not, it's definitely the, it's just like a sad way for to think of his legacy to end on of being this monumental actor that really, really did kind of uh, start the ball rolling for all these superhero movies, you know, like you know, standard, we idolized- really, we idolize Keaton and Batman and those two movies and none of that would ever have happened if it wasn't for these films. So even though four is definitely a disaster of a movie uh, it just was easier to follow than three, but um, it definitely was cheesy. And it was just, you know, I'm like, if that movie was made today, I can see it working a lot better with more action sequences. And I believe that the idea was Christopher Reed actually wanted to do the movie because it was going to talk about the nuclear race. But due to budget cuts, they had to cut a lot of stuff with him actually going after missiles and stuff, which I think is funny. The whole poster is him with like a missile, and they never really tackle any of that in the movie. It's just him finding this nuclear man the whole time. Well,
2: I read I read Christopher Reeve's autobiography, mm-hmm. and uh, it's funny because as you get to that time period, he says, uh, "Yeah, okay, so the less we talk about Superman, for the better." <laughs> But he, he he says in the book that he actually really feels bad about Superman for, for a couple of reasons, but he says his biggest heartbreak about that is that that was his movie. The, the story was his original concept and he wanted to do something special for kids and, and he was with somebody at the time who had kids. So, you know, the kind of initial story was his and where he wanted to take it. But, uh, you know, once the studios took over and the writers and everybody, then Christopher Reeve's actual original idea just got... At the end, he was like, I don't even know what we're doing anymore. Like, this is not even what I wanted. You know, you can tell that the, the, the even his acting, like, you can tell, like, he's almost like, when is it lunchtime? You know? Yeah.
1: Which <laughs> is sad. You know, it's just sad you get to that point. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're doing multiple sequels, you, I mean, you of course always want them to work, but it's not always a guarantee. And, uh, well, I think definitely, I definitely, you know, yeah.
2: Yeah. I think I sent you guys before the podcast, which I, I think you, if anything, find it comical. Is I happened to meet John Cryer, who played Lenny Luther in Superman Four,
0: which is funny. Of course, he would go on, and I told Chris that he would go on to play Lex Luther in the Arrowverse series. Mm-hmm. So, which is pretty funny. Yeah,
1: and, and super- he was uh, he was definitely not a good replacement for the Otis type. Uh, uh, you know, Beatty's character of Otis was so funny in those first two films, and this this Cryer part, I was like, good thing he got better at acting because woof. This is one of his first jobs. I was like, "Dude, I uh, was not not enjoying the performance." Um, He definitely has gone on to a much better career, Um, but I, I, I'd be intrigued to watch his Lex Luthor to see how he is in, in these, you know, all these, you know, shows he's in.
0: I will say that I, not Ron and I here, we've been avid fans of. We started with Arrow. I watched Arrow from the very beginning and went on to watch Flash. I never followed Small uh, Small Girl. <laughs> supergirl small commanding combining them uh, i never followed supergirl as accurate but then when all these crossover ones with the um crisis and infinite earths with all these um alternate universes and things like that i got to see a little bit of lex Luthor of uh, john crier's version i will say he does a really great creepy uh very subtle performance where uh, some of these scenes where he is you know really playing playing a very good version of lex Luthor. so i will say if you get a chance to watch any, any of his performances, just look it up. It, it was very well done. It was, I'm, I'm glad that they had him come back and do that. And I think it's really cool to say this. Jumping ahead about the legacy of what these movies did. Um, You know, Ron, you hit the nail on the head talking about all these little influences that still to this day, every other Superman film or the Superman uh, fan. Uh, sorry. I can't speak today. Try like one more time. All the, superman movies or the tv shows they've all been influenced and i liked seeing that where they'll bring back actors and actresses to play these roles there's a lot of that in universe there's those little uh, easter eggs there's little like nods to stuff that it's a close-knit community superman fans are some of the biggest diehard fans
2: i gotta see putting putting um john cryer to play lex Luthor, which you know and he's playing a really great lex Luthor. i want to say Actually, it's funny because when I met John Cryer, I actually said to him, "I go, you know, what, John, you're the only actor in history to ever played Lenny Luther," and he laughed at it He's like, "Yeah," he goes, "I am. Yeah, I'm the only guy who Lenny Luther. But even in the Supergirl series, like what you just said, Taylor, I have to touch on this because they are still following this lore so closely that on, on the recent seasons of Supergirl, you know, I'm, I'm This is not even a spoiler for anybody who maybe hasn't seen it. There's a lot of set designs that they're using the Fortress of Solitude, like what it looked like in the original Superman movies. It looks like those crystals. Those crystals are there in Supergirl. And there's actually one, one uh, uh, show where Supergirl's going to meet the bad guy. She's going to take on the bad guy. And she has to go through all the same things that Superman did going to meet uh, Lex Luthor, like the fire, you know, then the machine guns shooting on her. And I'm like, they followed that right from the Superman. So still, it's just Taylor just said right up till today, it's still having an influence. And like I said before about, you know, the Wonder Woman movies and everything. So, yeah, I think that's part of the, the the legacy that Taylor was just saying.
1: Yeah, they're definitely, I mean, I can see why it's still an iconic part of pop culture and why, you know, really for majority of people, if you are to say who's the defining Superman, you know, actor, you would say Christopher Reeves. Uh, you know, I know that for a lot of kids today, they only really know Henry Cavill. But uh, even though I'd never seen the movies, I'd always known that Reeves was, you know, I've seen, of course, images and small things in other, you know, movies or pop culture. I've never actually took the time to sit down and watch them. But always knew that he was this iconic, you know, role. And, uh, you know, especially for uh, what happened with him later in life, I would definitely say that it's so great to think that he will always be remembered for not only a great movie career, but really for being this really strong and charming and funny superhero. And one that, you know, kids around the world, and even us adults and fans, Superman is still that just, I think you really nailed in the head there, Taylor, that kind of all American hero that stands for good and, you know, doesn't have a a bad bone in him. And he's just always that kind of like goofy, kind of charming, but does the job. And so I think it's, it's, it's been fun to watch these movies and kind of take a little trip in the past and be like, you know, yeah, we didn't really have comic book movies before this time. We had shows, we had, you know, kind of funny cheesy shows like Batman and stuff, but uh, this definitely set up the huge legacy that still lasts to this day. And that was 1978. So really over 40 years of superhero movies. And I think today, how many we have you know, you know, we had Superman for, you know, and then they had Batman. And then it wasn't until like the 90s we started getting a couple more. But now with like, minus COVID, we're used to like four to eight big blockbuster comic book movies a year. Yeah. And none of that would have happened without it starting somewhere. So pretty cool to think that it started with these films.
2: And that's another thing too, like you know what you're saying, Chris. I, I think I'm, I'm going to relate this also to Star Wars, okay? Like, Superman also was special because it wasn't one every summer. So, Mm when you know, oh, Superman 2 is coming? Oh, my God, this is so special because we have to wait almost two years for it, right? There's, like, Star Wars movies. You're waiting almost two years before you're going to see one. It was special. Now that it's getting to be, like, one or few in a summer, it's like, oh, there's nothing really special anymore. I mean, even if they're great films, like, there's a bit of a... that special uniqueness that that's gone the magic
0: that's has happening. gone a little bit, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, I hope that like you said, there is an abundance of superhero films now, but now it's, you know, what's the next step to continue to try to, you know, do different takes on it. And I think that they're still getting creative out there and there's so many actors and actresses that can, you know, for 40 years from now, there'll be a new origin story. Who knows, you know, the history of uh, the future of film what's going to happen, but I'm so glad that you got to watch these movies, Chris.
1: I mean, were you yeah, glad that you actually got to
0: watch them? I know Ron, Ron's been bugging good, it's you. It's
1: good to add the collection. Cause I really, there's, there's very few comic book related movies I haven't seen. Um, and typically they're all usually from more of the eighties, nineties, you know, that kind of era. So definitely was fun to watch. Uh, I'm glad I did. And um, yeah, it'll be fun to continue this series. Uh, this is kind of just a fun every now and then if there's movies that we've talked about where, you know, we bring up on the podcast, Oh, I've actually never seen that movie. This would be a chance for us to bring those up. So I think it'll be a fun little challenge between you and me and Taylor when a movie comes up where I think we'd be like, Oh, that'd be fun to do a little review. Uh, this, this is our new segment starting this off past potential picks. Uh, thank you so much, Ron, for being back on the potential podcast. We'd love to have you on. You are a master with all your fun facts and, uh, you're definitely one of, one of our crew. You're definitely a potential uh, superhero yourself. So uh, I'm glad to have you on. As he's he's clutching clutching his chest. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you so much.
2: Um, (laughs) I'm touched and I'm I'm so thankful and always glad to to be supportive of you guys and i think that you're doing a great job out there with the podcast and uh like i said you know most of the times you know i'm listening to the shows you know me i'll I'll make a comment put likes or whatever or you know sometimes some personal messages so uh, thanks for doing a great podcast thanks for doing one on on superman uh series uh and as i said and for me is definitely Still the greatest superhero film of all time, Superman 2. And I'm glad you saw them. And uh, for future generations, let's keep it going strong.
1: And just quickly for uh, continued fans of the podcast or for newer fans of the podcast, um, they can follow you on YouTube at, where the, where can I see? Because you, you do a lot of fun videos and reviews yourself right. on your own YouTube channel.
2: Yeah, one of my videos just got over 10,000 this week. So I'm really happy. Nice uh it's a ron rockstar media and it's r-o-x-t-a-r yes so which is
1: rockstar with an x
2: (laughs) if you're looking at the pod the potential podcast you'll you'll see that the the guys spell my name the way that you're looking for it so there you go that's
1: right well thank you ron absolutely uh we'll catch you guys next time here on the potential podcast with past potential picks thanks for listening to the potential podcast